Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. Good evening. It is World Wide Wave time. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We love taking you around the globe one queer story at a time. I'm Matt and I'm joined in the Victorian Pride Centre studios here with, by Stefan. Hello. Hello. Good evening. When the Taliban took control of Afghanistan on August 15th, 2021, it left many locals in fear of their lives. For lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender Afghan, it was especially terrifying, not because they had a safety under the occupied force that they would lose, but because the Taliban regime specifically stated that they would not respect the rights of LGBT people and, LGBT and the rights of LGBT people. They knew that would open the door to abuse, not just from the Taliban members and sympathizers, but from family and friends. All their worst fears have now been confirmed in the first detailed report about LGBT Afghans since the Western forces, including Australia, departed. Two organisations, Human Rights Watch and Outright Action International, joined to bring these stories to the world in their report titled Even If You Go to the Skies, We'll Find You, LGBT People in Afghanistan After the Return of the Taliban. Tonight we will hear from Walid Muhammadi, a human rights activist who fled Afghanistan. Heather Barr, the Associate Director of Women's Rights at Human Rights Watch. And Jay Lester Fedra, Senior Fellow for Emergency Research at Outrack Action International. Here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. Rushna's parents protected her from the extended family when they learned she was a lesbian. But when the Afghan government fell, her uncle and cousins joined the Taliban and said they would kill her if her father would end. If you're not going to do this, we will do it. We have the authority. The family forced Rushna to marry a man. He beats her regularly and will not let her leave the house because she is a lesbian. Now, it's not even a year since the coalition of Western armed forces withdrew hastily and messily from Afghanistan. For LGBT Afghans, their departure left fear and despair where once they dared to hope for change. Departing with them was also the many journalists covering the war and bringing the stories of the Afghan people. The LGBT community became invisible again. Walid Muhammadi was lucky that he was able to escape Afghanistan. He shares his personal experiences of living in fear and escaping Kabul, plus why he wanted to be part of this research project. Well, when the Taliban captured Kabul, I tried my best to blend in. I grew a beard and a whole long hair, 
So I would wear traditional clothing uh, and also cut the small rainbow badge off my backpack. I didn't thought that they would know what a rainbow flag meant, but I didn't want to take the chance. Also changed where I live. Um, too many people in the building that I used to live knew about me, but none of this was enough to protect me. I was getting in a taxi one day when a Taliban member hit me for no reason and he said, don't you know how to walk like a man? I didn't think that he really knew I was a queer person, but it made it clear for me that I couldn't take the chance that the Taliban would find out. I started contacting my friends and organizations helping Afghans evacuate. I was terrified uh, every minute I stayed there. I had only been in my new place for a few days when the manager pulled me aside and told me a group of Taliban was coming to stay in the same building. Taliban troops were pouring into the capital from all over the country and someone had invited them to stay in the same place. There were a few extremists living in the same area. Um, even if no one had told them that I was a queer person and I identified as such person, I was worried that they would search my room and find books in English and that would be enough for them to cause trouble for me. The manager told me, you have to stay in your room, don't make noise, turn off the light and just use your laptop, don't get out. So I only left my room once for the two days they were here and just only used the bathroom once. I spent the rest of the time reading some verses of the Quran over and over, verses that are supposed to protect you from the evil. I moved again as soon as they left, but I could never sleep because I was anxious. But on 26th August, I got an email early in the morning from an aid organization saying that there would be a bus leaving in half an hour to take people to the airport. The email said there was no guarantee I would get a seat, but I threw my things in a bag and I rushed to the spot they said the bus would be. The bus wasn't there, so I frantically circled area in the taxi until I find it. But we got stuck at the gate to the airport. Uh, the bomb went off. The crowd uh, was like everyone was screaming. They were running everywhere. The Taliban were shooting their guns. We all ran for our lives. Eventually, we found shelter in a parking garage. We hid there overnight, listening to the gunshots and watching drones flying overhead. In the morning, I took a taxi back to my new place with a friend who's a trans man. He was wearing a burqa to cover his tattoos. I was really depressed. I thought, I'm trapped. I can't leave this country. But then I was contacted by another organization offering help to get out. I had to take a taxi to get a visa for a nearby country. And I could already see how much Kabul had changed. You could see Taliban officers all over building new checkpoints. You could literally sense the terror in the city. Miraculously, I was soon on a plane flying out of Kabul. And later I was invited to resettle in, in a European country. But um, by helping Outright Action International's research on this report, I kept out of how bad the things were for people who are not so lucky. One of my friends nearly ran out of food while he was hiding from the Taliban in an abandoned factory. Another was hiding from his uncle who joined the Taliban. One of my queer mentors lost all her businesses and was hiding in a distant city. I learned um, one person that I spent the night hiding in the same parking garage was raped by at the checkpoint. Many of my friends were afraid to be interviewed, but the ones that agreed, agreed to you know, do this interview for this research, uh, they believe that one thing that we can do in this position is getting the word out. Um, that's the reason I wanted to speak with you all today and share my experience. Uh, Walid, I wonder if you could share your experience working on this research and, and the people you have interviewed. 
I imagine it must have been really difficult to find people who wants to talk to you. So how did you uh, go through this process and could you introduce what was the biggest challenge and the difficulties doing this? Well, um, Afghanistan has a lot of problem with the internet connection, especially for the past few days. Um, a lot of people that we spoke were young. They did not have um, the resource to go outside and buy the credit for their SIM cards and act, have an active internet connection. The other problem they had was speaking to us and even expressing themselves on telephone. They were worried someone would might hear them even if they were locked in their own room. So that was a problem. Another problem we faced were um, people were not confident about revealing and their personal experiences. They're like, okay, what if this gets shared and something happens and they will be outed by some reason. But we found a lot of people um, who were really good, um, even though they had a lot of problems, they were confident about sharing their experiences because they really wanted the world to know about the queer community of Afghanistan and about their struggles. And there is a community. We are not aliens. We do exist in the same society. We are part of that culture. And you cannot ignore us. We have always been here. And so that was their concern to let the world know that, yes, we also exist and our rights should be protected and we should not be killed just for being a human being. That's Afghan human rights activist Walid Mohammadi uh, speaking at a press conference with us on Joy 94.9. Uh, it's that really um, challenging uh, balancing act of giving the local LGBT Afghans enough confidence that you will uh, uh, tell their story and get the message out so that they might get help. But the absolute fear that at any moment somebody could, you know, track you down or um you know cause problems for you and that, that's probably what caused the more invisibility as well the fact that i mean it's very difficult to speak out if you i've been fearing for your life and uh, with no local media well no, no foreign media as well it makes it even i don't know it's just how do you solve that how do you bring these stories without putting the people at risk and i know we um we've talked about that before but it's it's really this confidence that you need to tell the story but you don't want to risk the lives of the people that are going to tell these stories we've got our newsreader andrew with us uh, in the studio tonight thanks for coming in andrew oh my pleasure um you're uh, hearing that story how did it make you uh, make you feel well it made me realize how i've won the lottery by being born in this country yeah absolutely. we're so fortunate here aren't we Absolutely, absolutely. We've got more of these uh, new stories coming up. Uh, in fact, uh, we also will be looking at whether Australia and other countries involved in Afghanistan are doing enough. This is World Wide Wave. Have your say. Text 0427 JOY 949. Your voice, your radio station, JOY. We are talking Afghanistan tonight and uh, one of the reasons behind putting out this uh, report is to bring attention back to what is going on there. And as the occupation of Afghanistan by Western forces was coming to an end, the Taliban went to great lengths to say that they would not walk back basic rights for women, such as education and employment, once that they took over. But for LGBT Afghans, there was never any prospect of change. Human Rights Watch and Outright Action International have jointly brought the stories of LGBT Afghans to the world's attention in their report titled, Even If You Go To The Skies, We'll Find You. Heather Barr, the Associate Director of Women's Rights at Human Rights Watch, speaks about the changes in women's and LGBT rights under Taliban rule. 
I mean, anyone who's been following Afghanistan knows that um, the, the last few months since August 15th have been a disaster for human rights in all kinds of different ways. I mean, obviously, um, women have faced a massive rollback of their rights in, in virtually every area. Um, human Rights Watch put out a report in November documenting extrajudicial killings, particularly of people who were previously in the security forces. We were able to document about 100 killings in four provinces alone only in the first couple months of the Taliban's um, being back in charge. So, And then another serious issue that, that we've written about is um, the way that the Taliban have, have silenced and crushed the local media, which has implications for all kinds of human rights because it, it cuts off the flow of information that the world has access to about what's actually happening to people in Afghanistan right now. The situation of LGBT people in Afghanistan is, is a situation which um, I think has been quite invisible in the past. Um, you know, over my years of working on Afghanistan, it, it's an issue that, you know, people have not written about very much. Um, we as a human rights organization hadn't found a way to kind of research and document and write about this issue in the past. And I think that part of the reason that it's been possible to write this report is because the situation is so incredibly difficult for people right now that, you know, people were willing to, to share their stories, to talk to Wally, to talk to others, and to talk about what's happening to them. But that doesn't mean that they've been able to find a solution for themselves and a way to get to safety. So the Taliban have, have explicitly said that they will not respect the rights of LGBT people. And that's in contrast to other areas where their line is that they are respecting women's rights, that they're providing all rights you know, that women have. But for LGBT people, they don't even they don't even pretend. They just openly say that um, that they will not respect people's rights, and and so that's created an environment where anyone who wants to do harm to someone because of their sexual orientation or gender identity feels not only like they're not going to be punished if they do that, but they may in fact be rewarded. And so that's the backdrop for the kind of violence and intimidation that the, the people that we've been able to interview for the report of experience. I just wanted to say also that people were experiencing a lot of abuses before August 15th as well, you know, and, and we heard about that from the people that we interviewed. You know, they faced all kinds of issues about, you know, discrimination, violence, forced marriage, um, blackmail, being outed against their will, and, and so on. But in spite of all of those challenges, I, I think you, know, you could get a sense from listening to Waleed also that the people had been able to build community and support each other and, and you know, have livelihoods and homes and families and, and take care of themselves, you know, in a way that, that people do when they're trying to survive. But, but the ability to live that kind of life really disappeared on August 15th. Um, and so that's why we think the, the recommendations in this report are so urgent. Um, I would like to go to the question. Are you disappointed with foreign governments such as Australia's that aren't providing sufficient action in taking care of LGBTQI plus people in Afghanistan, be it be resettling them or by assisting them to their home country? I think we're incredibly disappointed with the current situation and, and the, the whole situation with evacuations all along. I think, you know, there was this flurry of activity in late August where different countries were sending planes. Of course, we had the incredibly 
violent and frightening scenes at the airport that Waleed has talked about. But after the, the last international troops left, the evacuations pretty much dried up. And um, all the, the various countries, including the countries that were so involved in Afghanistan over the last 20 years, you know, most of them seem to have shut their doors now. And there seems to be a kind of feeling that, you know, it's over and it's time to move on. And of course, that's not how asylum decisions are supposed to be made. Anyone um, who's facing persecution has a right to seek asylum. And that's a huge number of people who are still in Afghanistan, who are in other countries in the region where they, they are not safe and they still need resettlement. And I think that countries have really kind of washed their hands of this problem. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, Wally's point is very well taken that the solution is never going to be for every every LGBT person to leave Afghanistan. And so these countries need to be focusing on how do they put pressure on the Taliban that's going to end the abuses? How do they improve the situation in Afghanistan in terms of addressing things like the humanitarian crisis so that they can make life actually livable for people in Afghanistan again? Um, but I, I feel like what we're seeing is, is just a huge level of disengagement. And of course, the worst uh, offender in that is Joe Biden and the White House. That's Heather Barr from Human Rights Watch speaking at a global press conference uh, about Afghanistan on Joy 94.9. Australia was specifically called out as one of those countries that was uh, that was there first and, and therefore, I guess, the entirety of the uh, campaign. But then everyone packed up, went home, and, I mean, it, it, it's barely rates to mention on the media at the moment. Do you think we have a greater responsibility here? Well... <laughs> Is there another answer than is there another answer than yes? I mean, really, um, disappointing is not even strong enough. It's just disgraceful, really. What's that? First of all, that we're not talking about it anymore, but also that we've not done anything to support LGBTIQ people. The Australian government has not done anything. I mean, we don't have the best track record of supporting asylum seekers. But it, even translators that were supporting mm, the armed services absolutely. had trouble getting just, um, out when, when the armed forces and, left. And as, as Heather said, you know, the, the, those flights have stopped now, so we don't actually know what is going on. I know from sporadic press releases where there's been some, some awful uh, things happening to LGBTIQ people, but we don't probably know anything of what's going on. And it's, yeah, how do you change that? I mean, even within the current federal election, the issue of refugees has not been, uh, you know, as a whole, has not been a big issue. Yeah, it's a bit tragic what um, comes up as news or purports to be news about the electioneering. It's really very trivial, so much of it. Yeah. Well, who, who, who remembers what stat rather than, well, this is, these are sort of decisions that affect people's livelihoods and... Uh, and, and you know, as a as a, a first world country, we have the ability to do more. It's not really a, it's not something we can't do. It's it's a choice that is yeah, happening. Yeah, the ability, but not the political will, because it will upset part of the electorate. Mm. So uh, we've got more coming up here on Joy ninety four point nine. In fact, we'll hear how the family unit is impacting LGBT Afghans. This is Worldwide Wave. Joy podcasts where you want them, when you want them joy.org.au or your preferred platform. This is Dr. Sean Cole from London College of Fashion. Some things go out of style, but Worldwide Wave never does. You're on Joy 94.9.
You're on the show that takes you around the globe one queer story at a time, World Wide Wave. A special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcasts automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash worldwide wave or on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave a review. Now before we uh, jump back into Afghanistan there, I just wanted to send out a big congratulations first of all to Fiona McLeod who won Joy's Unbolt the Vault, the Radiothon prize Uh, and also a big thank you to everybody who has uh, made a donation or a membership, particularly the ones in our show, our big Radiothon Mm -hmm. show, that was lots of fun and great to see people uh, signing up and and donating. so many people contributed to Radiothon, both behind the scenes here, but also our sponsors. Uh, the the, the uh, United Airlines gave two tickets to uh, America. Um, the, great the, prize. The Derm Lab, $5,000 worth of procedures. procedures. Cinema Nova, this was the one that I wanted, actually, the gold pass for you know all the movies you want to see for a year. No, you, could, you could not. Um, piano. Cruises? Uh, yeah, two cruise cabins for eight people on the P&O Pride Cruise in December 2022. The big gay cruise. Yeah, so thanks to P&O Cruises. And a Scooterama Honda Dio motorcycle, thanks to Puftuf. Puftuf. So all these great people, um, the businesses that supported us through uh, to put Radiothon together and then all of our members. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From coming out to reaching out, fighting for change or battling to be heard. These are the stories of the diverse rainbow community from across the globe. Coming to you from Australia's LGBTIQ radio station, Joy. In Afghanistan, danger for LGBT people often comes from those closest to them. Violence and recrimination from family and friends is rife. For queer women, life has become incredibly difficult. Human Rights Watch and Outright Action International joined forces to capture the struggles of LGBT people in Afghanistan under Taliban rule. Jay Lester Fedder, a senior fellow for emergency research at Outright Action International, helped prepare the report and shared some of the stories from LGBT Afghans. One of the cases that we talk about there is a situation of a, of a woman called Rushna. Uh, who was first threatened to be killed by her uncle's family when they discovered she was a lesbian. Uh, Her parents' solution to this was to force her to marry a man. They then uh, actually sent her off with the new husband to a foreign country. And at that point, uh, one of her cousins outed her to her husband. And now she is a prisoner in his home and is beaten regularly. That story is horrific for many reasons, but one thing that it's really important to keep in mind in this, uh, in looking at this report, is that the situation for women, uh, for queer women, is especially difficult because of restrictions on their ability to travel. Taliban has imposed restrictions on women being able to travel without a male family member, uh, and additionally, just access to private space access to telephones, to telephone credit, made it very hard for us to find women to participate in this research um, and just is an indication of how much harder it is for those who need help to request it or to be able to escape from danger. We talked about uh, in that video also the case of uh, a, a young man who was raped at a Taliban checkpoint. 
that story is worth uh, paying special attention to because Afghanistan is a place where sexual violence targeting men and boys is rather widespread. And, you know, not just targeting people who are LGBT, but people who may be perceived as more feminine or simply as weaker um, LGBT people are more likely to be targeted for, for those reasons because of gender nonconformity. But this is a very widespread problem uh, and definitely a major concern here. And I, I also want to talk about a case that's not in this video. Uh, you know, I think there's an, uh, an assumption that the solution for LGBT people in a country that's as dangerous as Afghanistan is simply to leave. And even if there were countries that were willing to take them, which there aren't at this point, safe countries that were willing to take them, for people for whom moving about publicly is, is a dangerous act, asking them to get out of the country is, is a Herculean task. We interviewed a trans woman who traveled with a group of friends from a, a distant city to Kabul in order to get passports because they wanted to leave the country. Now, we're in an environment already where especially gender non-conforming people are afraid simply to leave their rooms. So this involved an overnight bus trip. Uh, I think they counted six Taliban checkpoints that they had to pass through on that journey. At every stop, armed men would board the bus, would interrogate people about where they were headed, about their ethnicity, about their family membership. They would search their mobile phones. Um, these women had purged any text messages or photos or apps that might give them away. And they did actually manage to make it safely. But that's a, that's a lot of danger to go through for a chance to get out of the country. And at that point, right, you have to be able to get a passport, which is a delayed process that often requires bribery. In one case, we spoke to a trans woman who uh, went to try to get identity documents and, and basically the government official demanded sex in exchange for processing their request. Um, and then there's all the, the, the hurdles of getting a visa and then leaving the country safely, having the money to buy a plane ticket, etc. So that's not really a solution for most people, even if they wanted to leave. And I, and I think we can't assume that most, that most LGBT people do want to leave their homes and their, and their families. But uh, the, the bottom line has to be that LGBT rights must be protected in Afghanistan. And we're not naive that that is a, a difficult ask in this political context. But queer people and gender nonconforming people have as much right to be safe and protected in Afghanistan as they do anywhere else. And that needs to be a consistent message by advocacy organizations, by foreign governments that are interacting with the Taliban around human rights, and really is the bottom line. When you were talking to, you know, all this interviewees, what were some of the challenges, you know, talking about the vulnerabilities of these LGBTQ people, you know, especially in an environment where ideas of sexuality and the gender identity are very different from the concept familiar in other countries? Yeah, I, I think it's hard to talk about who is being targeted purely on the basis of sexual identity or, um, or gender identity. Um, I think it's a much more complicated situation in Afghanistan where perceived difference standing out because of your gender presentation is or even just you know not not looking more more quote unquote modern or more western are all reasons that you could be targeted speaking primarily from for men in this case or people who are assigned male at birth um, and so sort of figuring out why people were being targeted was was really hard 
you know, and obviously then the difficulty is we're doing interviews by by phone with people about things as hard to talk about as sexual violence and abuse from family. So getting those stories in in a way that is, you know, responsible and dealing with the trauma, but also, you know, meets the factual standards that we need for human rights reporting is incredibly difficult. And I'm I'm very proud of what we were able to capture in here, but I'm very aware of what was left out. You know, the people we interviewed were people who were most able to ask for help. Those tended to be people who were assigned male at birth, who had access to phones, who had the access to mobility. Um, that also, you know, we were not able to capture nearly as many women as, and trans men as we would have liked to have spoken with for the reasons we, we talked about before. But also, you know, the age group that we're dealing with, almost all of our uh, interviewees, they range from their late teens to, for the most part, to their, to their late 20s. Um, that's in part a reflection of people who are able to, again, move. You know, people as they age tend to, to, to give into pressure to marry uh, and have families, have children, and have a whole host of responsibilities that make the idea of fleeing unthinkable. And so that's not in the report. We don't have as nearly as many stories about people who were who were killed um, for their, their sexual orientation or gender identity. That's very hard in, in this context to confirm cases of that because family members and other people close to the victims have a lot of shame and aren't or just feel like it's in there puts them in danger to talk about that. So, you know, we have, a, we have a very narrow window on that situation, and I think we just have a tip of the iceberg of how difficult the situation is. That's Jay Lister Fedder from Outright Action International at the Global Media Conference on Life for LGBT Afghans under Taliban Rule. It really brought home for me that um, whole thing about uh, the answer is not simply leaving. It's just not that easy for uh, these... LGBT Afghans who are at a high degree of risk to leave. It's just not easy. And do you think, again, it's a, a feel-good thing for foreign governments? So we're going to fund some planes, tickets, we're going to do that, and these people will be safe. Well, our government hasn't felt well, no, no, but good at some, all. Some, 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 some European governments, and Canada has also um, had some oh, yeah. intake, which is good. Um, but uh, e even, even if the foreign government is, uh, you know, open to taking LGBT people. Um, as Jay was mentioning there, there's so many hurdles to get through to to get the visa or passport yeah. to, you know, the bribery that's needed to get those sorts of things, let alone if you're a woman and you, you can't travel around anywhere without a man by your side. Mm. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, it's, it's hard. We, we, we did um, see in Chechnya how they did it by infiltrating locally by uh, living there so probably that's something that might be possible there as well in Afghanistan but it's really hard now uh, the stories tonight if they've brought up any issues for you personally there is lots of support here for us in Australia you can go to joy.org.au slash support to find all those services the world's longest running radio show dedicated to international LGBTIQ news and current affairs. This is World Wide Wave from Australia's rainbow radio station, Joy 94.9. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like World Wide Wave on Facebook now. 
A huge thank you to Human Rights Watch and Outright Action International for their report titled Even If You Go to the Skies Will Find You LGBT People in Afghanistan After the Return of the Taliban. You can find it on the Human Rights Watch website or on our Facebook page. That's W3Joy. And thank you for the messages on Facebook. Bimba Kiribati. Dan, Liz, Richard and Hip, more that have joined or interacted with us on Facebook this past week. That's W3Joy on Facebook. SMS and emails and behind the scenes our podcaster Peter and social media master Dean. Catch you next week on World Wide Wave. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.